Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's our very special guest from the Elevate Life Church administrative and pastoral teams, Jessica Fielding. Life Church, and it is truly an honor this morning to be asked to share the word. And so today we are going to be learning about the life of Gideon. And so we're going to be starting at Judges chapter 6. And if my, the title of my message, if there was a title, is called Break Free. And so that might be talking about breaking free from fear breaking free from anxiety, breaking free from crisis, but we are going to be learning from the life of Gideon how he broke free of fear, of insecurity, of anxiety, and some actual warfare that was going on in his life. So we're going to be starting at Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, and it says, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and the seven years, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Median so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Well, we're going to go ahead and get ready to pray, you guys. And so I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. God, I pray that you would speak a very specific word to all of us, Lord, from the life of Gideon, Lord. I pray today for those that have been struggling with fear, God, that today's word would set them free, God. I pray for those that have been having panic attacks and maybe even anxiety or that are living in crisis, that today we would learn from Gideon's life that you are a faithful God to break us free from those situations. In Jesus' name I pray, 
Amen and amen. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and keep reading about the life of Gideon. So if we can go to that next verse. And so, so far we've read that Gideon is living in a time of warfare, that the enemy is attacking and attacking him. And we find Gideon in in verse 11 where God is going to speak to him. And it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Orpha that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite. When his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Median. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Median's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied again. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So as I mentioned earlier today, we are going to be learning about the life of Gideon. And so there's going to be some character development into today's story. How many of you guys love watching series or reading books where you see like a character, he's just a regular Joe, and as you read his story towards the end, he becomes a superhero. He basically saves everybody. That is truly the life of Gideon. Gideon is going through struggle. Not Not only is he going through an external struggle where there is war, where literally his people are being destroyed, but we find him in a spot where he's insecure, he's anxious, and he's at fear. In addition to that, he's threshing wheat in a wine press. You know, as I began to study that, what does that even mean to thresh wheat in a, in a wine press? What it means is that when you thresh wheat, you're basically throwing it up in the air. But when you're in a wine press, you're in a small enclosed area. So basically, he was under so much fear that he was hiding and he wasn't thinking straight. That he was in fear and he couldn't even make like a reasonable decision. And so I don't know about you guys, but have you ever felt like you were under attack after attack or you're under issue after issue? For example, not only are you going through drama at work, but all of a sudden you're sunsick. And then on top of your son being sick, you're trying to go to the store and your car breaks down. That is literally what's going on in Gideon's life. Not only do they not have any food, not only are they poor, but they're under attack and the people of Israel are hiding in clefts, in rocks. They're hiding in caves because they're so afraid. And so we are going to be learning how Gideon responded to that and how God called him out. You know, yesterday, how many of you guys went to the basketball game? Go ahead and raise your your hands if you were there. Amen. Go too cold. We won. I have my championship ring right there. Give it up for them. Incredible. 
But what was so incredible to see yesterday, and for those of you guys that have not had the opportunity to come, we've been going through a basketball program with, for about six to eight weeks with about 40 young people. And what was incredible about yesterday's championship is literally it could have been anybody's game. Anybody could have won yesterday because it was so competitive. And honestly, the teams were so evenly, they were just even across the board. But what it really came down to is the mental capability. You know, it wasn't necessarily how well some of those players could play, but it was how well they could continue playing in the midst of the heat, in the midst of bad attitudes, in the midst of even doubting themselves. Because that's what it really comes down to. It's not only are you capable, but it's also where is your mind at. And I want to just encourage you people that your mind is important. Your mental health is important. And that's why the devil attacks our mind so much. Because he knows that not only if he can cause external chaos, but if he can cause an internal chaos, an internal chaos where you're doubting yourself, an internal chaos where you're struggling with anxiety, an internal chaos where it feels like you can't even get it out of bed, he won. And that's where we find Gideon. Not only is he struggling externally, not only is there chaos externally, but internally he feels like he's the weakest. He feels like he's the weakest, not only in, in his family's the weakest, but that he is the weakest. And that's where God meets him. And that's where God says, I'm calling you, Gideon. I'm calling you to set your people free. I'm calling you so that you are going to win this battle if you step in and if you fight. Amen? Amen. Well, today we are going to be studying Gideon's life and how God did four specific things in his life that helped him break free. And I just want to say, today I'm not up here talking as somebody that has never struggled with fear. I'm not up here talking as somebody that never has gone through anything. Because I don't know about you, but we're in South Sac right now. There is a lot of things going on. But I am... Um, talking to somebody that has used these biblical values and that has applied them to my life and has been set free. Uh, there's been times where I've struggled with panic attacks. I've struggled with anxiety, but it is through God's word. Oh, we got some disco lights up here that's in agreement with me today. It is through God's word that I have been able to get set free. And one of the first ways that we can break free is through service and community. Amen? So we're going to go ahead and read out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 25. And it says, Do not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, when we're going through crisis, when we're in the midst of fear, when we're struggling with anxiety, one of the biggest plans of the enemy is to isolate us, is to get us alone. Because when we're alone and we're struggling with anxiety, we can't think and we can't see anybody else, any other situation that's going on because we're just trying to bring comfort to ourselves. But one of the biblical ways that we can get set free from fear, anxiety, and crisis is by serving and in by being in community. 
You know, it's the devil's plan to isolate you, to get you alone so that your mind is wandering. You know, I don't come up here as talking as somebody that's never gone through it. I know what it's like to wake up night after night at 3 a.m. with it feels like all of the worries are just so much larger in the middle of the night. I'm a person that's gone throughout my life and, and sometimes in the middle of the day I have struggled. But it is through serving and being in community that God has set me free. You know, service allows us to focus on something bigger than ourselves. Because some of us, we are struggling with real things. Maybe you've had a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Maybe somebody in your family is struggling with cancer. Maybe there's something going on in your community and there is a real struggle. But if something that service allows us to do is to say, I'm going to get out of my mind, I'm going to get out of my head, and I'm going to focus on other people. You know, the Bible says to get around each other and to encourage each other. Not only is it a biblical principle but as you look at research I started looking at research and it says there was this research study done and it studied people that were volunteering and that were giving back and it looked at people that were not volunteering and not giving back and the research looked at things like their physical health their mental health their social and even financial stability and it also looked at if they were struggling with depression and anxiety this study examined all of these uh, people and the results showed those that gave back those that served those that volunteered those that were of service in their community that they had an increased mental and physical health life satisfaction social and financial well-being and lower um, chances of having depression and anxiety I want to encourage you as you give back, as you serve in the house of God, as you serve in the basketball program, as you serve in the kids, that not only are you saying, I'm going to help other people, but what you're saying is, God, I'm going to trust you. Because what service really is, what community really is, it's saying, God, I'm not going to try to figure out all of my situation, but I'm going to put somebody before me. I'm going to love on somebody else. I'm going to help that teenager in the basketball program. I'm going to serve on the usher team. Or what about the other thing? I'm going to look into my own family's needs. Some of us are struggling so much with anxiety and with fear that we're not even looking at the other people around us. What about the single mom coworker at work that's been struggling? What about your neighbor down the street that you know could use some assistance, but because you're struggling so much, you're not looking at it? When we choose to serve other people, we are literally saying, God, I trust you. I'm going to build your house. I'm going to help other people, and I'm going to believe that you are going to take care of my house. I believe that you're going to take care of my family. As I mentioned, the enemy's plan is to isolate us. It's why community, it's why the church, it's why look to your left and your right and behind you. It's why the people around you are so important. Because here's the thing, things like sin and anxiety can't last forever in community. It's when we get around other people that we are encouraged. It's when we get around other people that we know we can keep going. It's when we know we're around other people and the house of God that we know that no matter what battle we are facing, God will see us through. Amen? Amen. 
So it is important that we serve. It is important that we look at the needs of others and not just ourselves. God will take care of you if you take care of his people. Amen? Amen. One of the other ways that we can get set free is through worship and sacrifice. And we're going to go ahead and read back about Gideon's life and what he did when God spoke to him. In Judges chapter 6, verse 17 through 22, Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an, if anybody can say that word, a flour, he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered, to, offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on the rock and pour them on the broth and pour them out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord's face to face. So basically what this is saying, this is a lot of scripture. But I'm reading it on purpose because I want us to see us in Gideon's life. God spoke to Gideon. And Gideon said, let me prepare an offering. Let me prepare a sacrifice. Let me worship God. So many of us were in the midst of a battle and we're taking worship too lightly. We're taking on Sunday mornings, oh, Sky and the worship team can take care of it. Cece can sing. Oh, we'll go ahead and, you know, give it to Diego to play the guitar. We say they'll take care of it, and we stop saying, God, I'm going to worship you. Worship is saying, God, I'm going to put you first. God, I'm going to trust you. God, there might be chaos. I might have just lost my job. God, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. God, I'm in relational issues. But worship is saying, God, I trust you anyways. Worship is saying, I don't care what is going on. God, you are faithful. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. God, you are going to see me through. And I want to encourage you not to take your sacrifice lightly. Be serious about it. You know, Gideon, it says that God waited, that Gideon went home and he prepared his sacrifice. I want to encourage you as you are sacrificing to God. And what does sacrifice look like? Sacrifice might look like serving in the kids. Sacrifice might be looking like waking up early and being at church at 8 a.m. to serve people in the host room. Don't take it lightly because as you serve and as you sacrifice, you are getting the attention of God. You are getting the attention of heaven. God says that my eyes and my heart are always on the house of God. And some of you just like are just like Gideon and saying, I've heard stories of how God came through for my ancestors. I've heard stories of how God have came through for other people. Where is God? And I want to encourage you not to take your sacrifice lightly as 
as you serve God, as you serve other people, as you take sacrifices, God will take care of you. God will meet your needs. I don't know how he's going to do it, but we serve a faithful God that does not leave us alone, that does not leave us out to fend for ourselves. We serve a God that is faithful to meet every single need that we have. Amen? Amen. The third area of how Gideon got set free is that he removed ungodly idols, ungodly idols. And we're going to keep reading from the life of Gideon. If we can go ahead and go to the verse, it says, That same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of, of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of, of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family... And the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning, when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it, cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. A lot of scripture, you guys, but this is how I want us to relate it, uh, our lives to Gideon's life. There were some idols in Gideon's life. There were some idols in his family. There were some idols in the community that were literally causing them to be in bondage. What they were trying to do is that they were trying to serve God, but they also wanted idol worship. How does that look like in our life? Some of you guys might be saying, I worship God. I'm a Christian. There's no idols in my life. But what that might look like, it might look like you're serving God, but let's be real, you're still reading your horoscope sometimes. You serve God, but you're still looking at some astrology websites. You serve God, but crystal and sage, you're kind of cool with. Those types of things we cannot take lightly. That is idol worship. That is witchcraft. The Bible says serve God only, and we have to make it a point to serve God only. Some of you guys may be here today and say, Jessica, I would never do that. I would never serve any idols. Here's also how it may look like. Some of us are trying to serve God, but we're also smoking weed on the side. Let's be real. Some of us are serving God, but driving home on Friday night and picking up a six-pack sounds really good right now. Some of us are serving God and we're still sleeping around. Some of us are serving God and you fill in the dots. Here's what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to shame anybody in the room. But some of us, we're trying to serve God and we're saying, God, break me free of this fear. Break me free of this anxiety. God, help me. And you're wondering, why are you still struggling? I encourage you today to repent of your ways, to break down any idols, to break down anything that you have put before the Lord and say, God, I'm going to serve you only. God, you are the only one worthy of my worship. And I'm sorry for putting anything above you. Amen? Amen. Amen. What are the ungodly idols in your life? What are the ungodly idols that are affecting your family? What are the ungodly things that you have become okay with? Is it a television show? 
Is it a relationship? Is it gossip? Is it jealousy? What is the idol that's going on in your life? And let's make a decision today to say, I'm going to put God first, and never again will I turn to these idols. The fourth way that Gideon got free is aligning. He aligned himself with the right people. And this is a point that we can take from Gideon's life. Align yourself with the right people and cut the wrong people out. So we're going to keep reading from um, Gideon's life, and we're going to be reading out of Judges chapter 7. So we find Gideon in Judges chapter 7 in a spot where he says, God, I'm going to put you first. God, I'm going to worship you. God, I'm going to serve others. I'm going to cut all these idols off my life. And this is where we find Gideon. And let's see what God says to Gideon. It says, God said to Gideon, you have too large an army with you. I can't turn Midian over to them like this. They'll take all the credit saying, I did it all myself and forget about me. Make a public announcement. Anyone afraid, anyone who has two qualms at all may leave Mount Gilead now and go home. 22,000 men left, while 10,000 men remain. God said to Gideon, there are still too many. Take them down to the stream and I'll make a final cut. When I say this one goes with you, he'll go. When I say this one doesn't go, he won't go. So Gideon took the troops down to the stream. God said to Gideon, I'll use the 300 men who lapped at the stream to save you and save Midian into your hands. All the rest may go home. We basically find Gideon a spot where he had 22,000 men that were, real, that were willing to go to war with him, that were willing to go to battle. Can you guys imagine 22,000 people? And out of the 22,000, God tells Gideon, okay, get, get rid of those, and now he has 10,000 people. He has 10,000 soldiers. And then God says, you know what? That's still too big. Why don't you go down to the stream? And God cuts from what used to be 22,000 people to 300 people to fight this war. I can't even imagine. I mean, Gideon was afraid before. I would be afraid because it says that the people that he, were, that he was going after, that they were so, there were so many that they were like locusts. You know, the thing about locusts, as you look at it, as if you research it, if you Google it, is that you never know when locusts is coming. But when it destroys a field, it comes so quickly and it literally destroys everything. So he had 300 men that he was going after one of the strongest armies in the world against. It reminded me of a scripture, not a scripture, I'm sorry. It reminded me of an Instagram post of something I've seen in social media, how sometimes God has to remove certain people from our life. And this is how it goes. It says, when my circle got smaller, my vision got clearer. There's strength in loyalty, not in numbers. And I'm sure a lot of us have seen that, right? There's strength in loyalty and not in numbers. Many of us have experienced our circle getting smaller. Maybe it's with your family. You used to have huge family gatherings, but because of family drama, there's only a few of you. Or maybe with your friendships or maybe in a relationship, there used to be so many people that you used to be able to be with, but now that group has gotten smaller. 
That quote is so inspirational. I mean, how many of you guys have seen it and hearted it? But it is very difficult walking that out. When your circle gets small, when God puts you through a season of isolation, I want to encourage you. It's not to keep you in the space forever. That sometimes he isolates us to align us with the right people. Because you need loyal people to get to your purpose. You need loyal people to accomplish the promises of God. You need loyal people to have a healthy family. You need loyal people that your kids can see as examples. Amen? But we see Gideon in a spot where he has 300 men. He has 300 men, you guys. And it says in the Bible that he's still afraid. But what he does is he takes another man with him, and they spy on the enemy's camp. And as he's at the enemy's camp, it's nighttime, and one of the soldiers from the enemy's camp is telling another soldier, I woke up in the middle of the night because I had a dream that Gideon and his men destroyed us. And it says that that entire camp began to tremble. And they even began to turn on each other because they were so afraid that Gideon was going to destroy them. And he did. I want to encourage you today that the devil has been fighting you so hard because he knows that if you know that you are capable that he loses, that he's been fighting your children, that you've been going through battle after battle, not just because, but you've been going through it because the devil does not want to see you win, that he does not want to see you broken free from fear. But the way to break free from fear is to make a declaration, is to choose God, is to serve others, is to cut the wrong people out and to put God first. At the end of Gideon's life, we find him in a state where he has destroyed this other army, where God is with him, and he has his son next to him. And him and his son are getting ready to destroy this army. There's two men left in the army, and and he's going to kill them. And Gideon tells his son, go ahead, son, go ahead and kill the enemy. And it says that his son was so afraid he could not do it. And as I was reading that scripture and I said, God, what are you saying? What are you saying on Sunday? What do you want me to speak about? And I truly heard God say that if we do not deal with our fears, if we do not deal with our anxieties, our children will inherit them. Our children will become slaves to whatever we do not overcome. And I want to encourage you, don't stay in fear. Don't allow your children to, to fight the same battle that you're fighting right now. It is time for children. It is time for this generation to see that we have people at Elevate Life Church that is willing to step up and to break free from fear and to be a light in our community. Yesterday, as I was traveling to the basketball league, such an incredible day. I was beginning to pray over the basketball league and God put into remembrance a couple of things that have been going on in the community. Just about three weeks ago, there was somebody that was shot and killed at the apartments directly across the street of our basketball league. Just a couple of days, a teacher at the elementary school, just a couple of feet from that basketball court had actually sexually assaulted several children. We live in South Sacramento where there is chaos and people are looking for the people of God to step out, 
to help out, to stop being, you know, so consumed with their fear and to help each other. And I want to encourage you, so many of you guys are doing it, but there are still so many of us that we are allowing the enemy to silence us. And so we're hiding in fear. It's time that we break free from that fear. It's time that our kids, it's time that this generation see us break free. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.